Hello, and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 181. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and, well, it's just me because Pete got his beard caught in a Yeti trap or something. It has been a hectic, crazy, exhausting few weeks since our last episode, full of game launches and events like PAX and TGS, but we are finally back to discuss what is going on in the world of Nintendo, including game impressions, news, and this week's big topic, where I dive into the latest Nintendo Direct from earlier this month. However, before that, we will kick things off with some game impressions, starting with Astral Chain. This is the latest Switch release from Platinum Games. It is a sci-fi action game with very heavy anime influences in which you play a member of a super elite police unit called Neuron. And you are literally chained to this robotic creature called a Legion that you can summon into battle. And it's basically an enemy monster, but you've managed to control it through technology. It's sort of like a miniature Ava for any Neon Genesis Evangelion fans out there. In fact, the Ava influence seems to be off the scale. There's this scene at the beginning where they're experimenting and the Legion goes berserk that is right out of Ava. And later on, you see the head of your organization saying a bunch of cryptic stuff about the evolution of mankind to some disembodied, faceless committee. And the story gets pretty crazy pretty fast. The second chapter contains the kinds of shocks and twists and death-defying escapes most games save for their grand finale. Now, as far as gameplay goes, at first I wasn't sure what to think about Astral Chain, even though I've been really looking forward to this game. Character movement is just a tad janky, and you slide a bit when you move, and your moveset seems kind of limited. There's no jump button, and you only have one attack button, not a heavy attack and a quick attack like I usually expect from Platinum. I was starting to think this was a case of style over substance, but once you start learning what your Legion can do, it becomes very impressive and totally makes up for your character's lack of innate abilities. At its most basic, the Legion fights beside you automatically, but you can send it after specific enemies, or you can use the right stick in conjunction with a button to position it, after which you can use the chain to trip or restrain enemies, and you can perform special synchronization attacks for extra damage. You can also gain new Legion forms as you progress through the game, and you can perform new techniques both in and out of combat, like using your Legion to zip from one place to another, or slashing through obstacles, or hitting distant targets. And there's a lot more to this game than just combat. You explore, you find clues, you arrest criminals, you complete side quests, you clean up these corruption crystals spread by the enemies, you level up your weapons and your Legions, learn new skills, there is a ton of depth to this game. The game also looks gorgeous. It is supposed to be some post-apocalyptic setting, but it is basically shiny, futuristic, neon and rain-drenched cyberpunk. There are some amazing, fantastic mechanical designs, great texture work, lots of detail on the environments and the characters, especially their uniforms. The only game series I can recall playing with this much attention to detail is the Metal Gear Solid games. And I guess that kind of makes sense considering that Platinum has made a Metal Gear game in the past. Anyway, this game just oozes style and looks beautiful. I'm not terribly far into the game yet, but so far I am pretty impressed. The opening chapter is a bit meh, but once you get past that, the game really opens up and becomes a fun, deep, unique experience. There's even a two-player mode where the second player controls your Legion, and I haven't had a chance to try that yet, but it certainly sounds cool. Anyway, I am quite impressed so far, and I think this game has the potential to be one of the year's best. 
In addition to Astral Chain, I have also been playing Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, which recently arrived on Switch. This is the last of the 32-bit era Final Fantasy titles to uh, finally come to Switch, following the releases of Final Fantasy VII and IX earlier this year. This one originally came out a whopping 20 years ago and was known for changing the visuals of the Final Fantasy series from a cutesy, super-deformed style to a more modern presentation with realistic character proportions and the ability to see all party members on the screen at once instead of all compressing into one character like they did in Final Fantasy VII. Of course, this being Final Fantasy, the game tells an all-new story, this time focusing on Squall Leonhardt, who is a member of the mercenary group Seed and the adventure that unfolds before him. However, a lot of the gameplay is the same as in previous titles, including the return of the active time battle system and random turn-based combat, which is just as fun in this title as it ever was in previous games. However, Final Fantasy VIII definitely adds all new wrinkles, specifically the Guardian Force and Junction systems. Guardian Forces are summons, and you have to equip those to your character to be able to get your abilities, and you level them up with AP, and that's how you learn new skills throughout the game. Magic, meanwhile, is handled very differently from past Final Fantasy titles. You have no magic points, and spells are treated more like items. You have to draw them from enemies or from draw points around the world, and then you can either use them as you see fit, or you can junction them to your stats to augment your character. These new systems are definitely an acquired taste. Some people like them, some people will hate them. For me, They're definitely not my favorite systems in a Final Fantasy game. I find the constant need to draw spells to be pretty tedious, especially since the more of a spell you have, the more it improves your stats, and having to decide between actually using them or boosting those stats is kind of frustrating and restrictive. However, the general combat and gameplay is fun enough that I don't think drawing and junctioning is a deal breaker, and the fact that you can speed up gameplay in this version, make it three times as fast as normal, makes it a lot less of a hassle than it was back in the day. The story is a bit of a mixed bag. Squall is definitely a big jerk. But I actually like seeing him grow as a character over the course of the game. A big part of the story is his romance with the character Renoa, and I'd say it's actually one of the better-done love stories in video games. Maybe it's because I find both characters very relatable, but that aspect of the game has always clicked with me. Maybe I just knew too many angsty dudes back in my youth. I don't know. Final Fantasy VIII has some other great characters as well, like the super cheerful Selfie and Zell, the hot dog-loving chicken wuss. And if you don't know what that means, you should really just play the game and find out. Other aspects of the story are a bit weird and goofy, and I don't mean ha-ha goofy, I mean like groan-inducing goofy, like what the heck is this kind of revelation? But again, it's not enough to turn me off from the game. Presentation-wise, I am very happy with how this remastered version of the game turned out. The textures on the characters have been vastly improved over the original PS1 version, so even though the models are pretty basic, I think the characters look pretty darn great for a 20-year-old polygonal game. The backgrounds are all pre-rendered, though, and they do look somewhat blurry, but on the other hand, the CG cutscenes hold up really well. At the time this game originally came out, the cutscenes were state-of-the-art and set pretty much new standards in video games, and they still look very, very good even today. The music is also phenomenal and is probably worth playing this game just for the soundtrack alone. 
On the other hand, the controls for character movement don't hold up that well. They are not fully analog, and so you never really know what direction your character is going to go when you press on the joystick, but that's really not too big a deal in a game like this. I've only spent about six hours playing through Final Fantasy VIII Remastered so far, but at this point I am very much enjoying revisiting this adventure. Certainly it's not as user-friendly or intuitive as other Final Fantasy titles, and its unique systems are certainly not for everyone, but I think Square Enix has done a remarkable job of polishing this game up and bringing it to Nintendo systems for the first time. Personally, I dig it. And then, one more game I've been playing is River City Girls from Way Forward. Again, in the interest of full disclosure, yes, I do indeed still do paid work for the company, so make of that what you will. But as a fan of 2D gaming and of retro-style beat-em-ups, I'm having a blast with River City Girls, which is, perhaps, obviously, a sequel to River City Ransom on the NES. I don't think it's going to eclipse Final Fight or Streets of Rage 2 as like my all-time favorite brawler, but the sprite art in this game is beautiful, and I love the depth to the combat. You start out with a pretty limited moveset, but as you level up and you buy new moves at the dojo, it really opens up the combat possibilities, and soon you'll be drop-kicking and stomping and picking up enemies and using them to bash other enemies. You're going to be performing spin kicks and suplexes and juggling enemies in the air, all that good stuff. The other thing that I really like about this game, you know, just beyond the gameplay, is a sense of humor and the dialogue between the two main characters, Misako and Kyoko. A lot of the times, they'll just have these conversations while you're playing, and it really adds to the story and personality that makes this game more than just a typical beat-em-up. You can also revive your partner in co-op mode by literally stomping their soul back into their body, and Kyoko can beat people up by dabbing, which might be a beat-em-up first. And, of course, it has barf, just like the original River City Ransom. It also has great voice acting and an amazing soundtrack if you're into synth pop, and I especially like the remixes of the classic River City Ransom tunes. I'm only halfway through so far, but I hear that some of the later bosses can be pretty tough, but remember, this does have RPG elements, so I'll be sure to level up and bring plenty of healing items while I get into some of those tougher boss fights. Anyway, I consider this to be a great update to the River City Ransom formula, and I definitely recommend it to fans of beat-em-ups, and if that doesn't convince you, maybe the fact that a Bobo from Double Dragon is in the game will. By the way, there is no online in this game, just in case that's a deal-breaker for you, but I would say the game is pretty darn excellent without it. That takes care of my game impressions for this week. I think I'm going to move along now to a little bit of news. First up in the news, Nintendo has announced a new product for the Switch called the Nintendo Ring Con, and with it a new game called Ring Fit Adventure. It is scheduled to come out on October 18th, and it is sort of the next evolution of Wii Fit and maybe, in a sense, Nintendo Labo. There's no cardboard this time, but there is a leg strap and a big plastic ring that you attach the Joy-Cons to, and you play the game by exercising. There's a journey you go on, and enemies to fight, and experience points to earn, but you do it by running in place or squeezing this ring con to perform strength exercises. As Nintendo explains it, there are 40 quote-unquote fit skills you perform, all of which are done by performing exercise moves. And aside from this adventure mode where you're fighting an evil bodybuilding dragon named Drago, there's also a quick play minigame mode and a regular exercise mode. 
The video that Nintendo used to present this stuff is absolutely terrible, but to be honest, I actually like the idea. It sounds like a fun way to get exercise. You know, as someone who tries to go out every day and uh, get some exercise in, this sounds like maybe a good, fun, alternative way to do it while also playing a video game. So, I am definitely intrigued by this title. I just wish it didn't have an $80 price tag attached to it to be able to try it out. On the more traditional side of things, Capcom has announced the Mega Man Zero ZX collection coming to Switch on January 21st. Yes, it is indeed another Mega Man collection, this time containing six titles. Mega Man Zero 1, 2, 3, and 4 from the Game Boy Advance, and Mega Man ZX and Mega Man ZX Advent from the Nintendo DS. These are some of the best and most challenging games on their respective systems, especially the Zero games. Mega Man Zero 2 is absolutely one of my top games on the GBA. And now they are all available on Switch for the first time, and you can play them in their original form. You can play them with smoothed out artwork, which personally I would never do, but it's there. You can play them in a new casual difficulty, or you can use the new save assist feature. And, you know, to be honest, if you use either of those, I wouldn't blame you because these games were really freaking hard. There's also a new Z Chaser mode, which is basically a speedrun time trial challenge where you're trying to get through levels faster than ghost data or faster than other players. And there's also an extensive art gallery as well as a music player. As a big Mega Man fan, I'm going to be all over this, and there will indeed be a physical version with no downloads required when the title hits early next year. Speaking of classic games making a comeback, this one is kind of out of the blue, but there is an Aladdin Lion King 2-pack bundle coming out on Switch. This includes the classic 16-bit versions of these licensed action platformers, specifically the Super NES and Genesis versions of the Lion King and the Genesis version of Aladdin that were created by Virgin Interactive. In addition, it includes the Game Boy ports of both titles as well as some special variations of Aladdin. Unfortunately, it does not include the Capcom-made Super NES Aladdin game, which, to me, will always be superior to the Genesis version. But still, there's a lot of good stuff crammed in here for just $30, and I know that Aladdin on the Genesis was super popular amongst a lot of players. But yeah, beyond the games themselves, it also includes an art gallery, a music player, a rewind feature, an enhanced graphics filter, some making of materials, and more. I'm certainly going to add this one to my collection when it comes out on October 29th. On the subject of classic revivals, by the way, Square Enix has finally announced a release date for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered. This multiplayer action RPG will at last hit Switch on January 23rd. There's also been a bunch of big news recently from the folks over at Yacht Club Games. After years in development and numerous delays, the last two chapters of the original Shovel Knight saga, Shovel Knight, King of Cards, and Shovel Knight Showdown, finally have a release date, or at least a release month. They are arriving this December. That's when the Switch physical release of Shovel Knight Treasure Trove will happen, and when the Plague Knight, King Knight, and Spectre Knight Amiibo 3-pack will come out. And Yacht Club has announced they will unlock new outfits and new challenges and these fairy characters that follow you around. It's just too bad that the King Knight Amiibo still looks kind of like yellow garbage. On the other hand, there is a new Gold Shovel Knight Amiibo that's coming out at the same time, and it looks awesome and is everything that the King Knight Amiibo should be. 
As far as gameplay goes, King of Cards has a lot of spinning and pirouetting and air dashing. His feet barely even touch the ground in the trailer they showed. And it does indeed include a full card game. And Showdown, meanwhile, looks like a very robust versus battle game. Minor updates are also coming to all of the previously released Shovel Knight gameplay modes. But perhaps the bigger news than that is that an all-new, separate Shovel Knight game is in the works called Shovel Knight Dig, developed by Nitrome, whom I'm most familiar with for making the game called Bomb Chicken that is out on Switch. This game is basically Shovel Knight meets SteamWorld Dig, and it really does emphasize the digging mechanics as you dig down, 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 while collecting treasure and fighting enemies and avoiding hazards in procedurally generated levels and battling the evil Drill Knight and a new assortment of baddies like Spore Knight. Yeah, it really seems like they're kind of going the Mega Man route with the bosses in this series. Anyway, the game sounds like it's still quite a ways off, but it looks very, very promising. You know, we probably won't be able to play it for a year or more, but Shovel Knight has not done any wrong so far, and so I am totally looking forward to this one. Much sooner than that, however, is the impending release of Mario Kart Tour, which hits iOS and Android very soon, on September 25th. An interesting new reveal Nintendo has made is that in addition to the classic courses from Mario Kart, this includes new courses based on real places such as New York and Paris and Tokyo, although these will apparently only be available for a limited time. Based on a new trailer, it looks like you mostly accelerate automatically, then tap or slide across the screen to steer and power slide and use items. I'm still wary of the vertical screen orientation, but hey, it is free, so I have no reason not to give this game a spin when it launches in just a couple weeks. Finally, I wanted to make mention of some new merchandise that's available. The Chrono Orchestra Music CD featuring 8 tracks and 38 minutes of arranged symphonic music from the classic RPG Chrono Trigger. If you are a Chrono Trigger fan, I urge you to check this out immediately. It provides fantastic, fully orchestrated studio versions of some of the amazing tunes from Yasunori Mitsuda, including expected tracks like the Chrono Trigger main theme, the 600 AD Overworld theme, Corridors of Time from the Kingdom of Zeal, and the epilogue tune, as well as a few that I never imagined could turn out so epic, like the Millennial Fair and Gatos song. As far as I know, these aren't available on Spotify or iTunes or anything like that yet, but you can buy the CD from the Square Enix store online for 35 bucks. Yeah, 35 bucks. Or you can get an $80 deluxe box set that includes this, plus an orchestrated Chrono Cross soundtrack, which is also pretty darn fantastic, along with an exclusive bonus disc containing four tracks of piano arrangements, two of which are from Chrono Trigger, these being Shala's theme and the main Chrono Trigger theme. Yes, these are pretty expensive for music CDs, but so far, as a huge Chrono Trigger fan, I would say they are worth every penny. And that takes care of the news for this episode. Let's move along to a little bit of listener mail. We have only one letter this episode, and it comes from our good friend Brian Booth, who had this to say about the recent Nintendo Direct. Hell yes, that Direct was Nintendo at the top of their game. Something for everyone. So many big deal announcements, the rapid-fire pace. Everything was very well done. We may have moved out of the direct-to-you, connection-based style of Iwata and Reggie, which was really great for that era of gaming when the Wii U wasn't doing so hot and the big end really needed to make their fans feel appreciated, but I'm glad we've moved into an era where they can just let the games do the talking. It's a good time to be a Nintendo fan. Brian, 
I don't know if I was as excited as you were about this, but I certainly agree it was an extremely loaded direct, and I will speak to that more in just a little bit. And with that said, I believe it is time for us to close up this week's mailbag and take an intermission, after which we'll be back hey, with this week's... Hey, wait a second there. Wait, Pete, what What are you doing here? You're not even on this week's show. What's going on here? <laughs> well, you know, I just thought I'd drop by to hassle the Huff. Oh, wow. Boy, what an honor. I guess I should have seen this coming. <laughs> okay, Pete, what do you have for me this week? Lay it on me. All right. Video game professor Hoffman. Yes? If there is one video game that you could wish out of existence, what would it be and why? Huh. There aren't too many video games, I would say, that are you know, worthy of being wished out of existence entirely. That's an interesting question you pose, Pete. Uh, let me think about that. I mean, on one hand, I could go with something like Urban Champion, because it's one of Nintendo's least impressive games, yet they keep bringing it back over and over and over again. You know, nobody wants it, but yet here it is on Virtual Console. Here it is on some cards you scan into your Game Boy Advance. Here it is as a 3D Classics version. And, you know, I wish they would just stop doing that. So that's kind of high on the list. Yeah, that's fair. You know, part of me says, you know, I know this one's kind of mean. You know, I could be like... You know, let's get rid of Fortnite, you know, just because I'm sick of everybody trying to copy <laughs> Fortnite and trying to be Fortnite and trying to duplicate its look and duplicate its success. But yeah, I just feel like that really is appropriate. You know, the, the fads will pass. Everyone will go back to normal eventually. And a lot of people enjoy the game. So, you know, I feel very bad if I wish that out of existence. Yeah, plus you never would have seen me do any flossing. So <laughs> there's that. That is true. You know, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival, that was pretty terrible, so you know, that's on the contenders list. But no, really, one of the very few games that is actually worthy of being wished out of existence, I would have to say, is Mighty Number no. 9. <laughs> oh, them's fighting words. Well, kind of, but I mean, come on. Not only is it a very unimpressive game, but basically, Inafune, like... You know, reached into my pocket directly and stole my money and my friend's money and a lot of other people's money. You know, and then he made this very mediocre, frustrating game preying on our nostalgia and our faith in him. He never <laughs> delivered on his promises. He didn't put the game out on all the platforms it was promised. Uh, you know, they insulted their fan base with their advertisements. And it was basically an embarrassment to his career to the people that supported him, wow. to Kickstarter, and to the industry. I mean, I'm going to continue to say, you know, it's a mediocre game, not a horrible game, but man, just the way everything was done came across in like the worst way possible. Also, it is sort of a possibility that if this game hadn't existed, then maybe we never would have gotten Mega Man 11. Right, but I was just going to say that. if you take that out of the equation, I would definitely go with Mighty Number no. 9, aka Mighty Number no. 2, as the game, I would erase. <laughs> Does it make you want to take a mighty number two? It kind of already is a mighty number two. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Hoff's got a lot to say about that. Indeed I do. <laughs> All right then, if that meets your approval, then we shall take our intermission, and then we come back, we'll discuss this week's big topic, which is our thoughts on the most recent Nintendo Direct.
All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is the most recent Nintendo Direct. Woo-wee, this was a big one. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. You know, I kind of expect that the fall Nintendo Directs are mostly going to be promoting the holiday lineup and focusing on that and not really (laughs) coming out with the big new announcements. And in a way, that's kind of what we got, but we also got a whole lot more. There was first-party stuff, there was third-party stuff, there was stuff we already knew about, there were brand new games announced, there was just all kinds of games on display at this Nintendo Direct. Just rapid fire, you know, more <laughs> stuff than you could count, pretty much. It, it was honestly starting to feel like a uh, April Fool's skit uh, all over again. <laughs> it just kept going and going and going and going. Like, what else are they going to announce? Yeah, so anyway, there's a lot to cover, so let us jump in, starting with the brand new first-party announcements. And I'm going to start with the game that they used to end the show, because you could arguably say this is the biggest announcement, and that is that Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is on its way to Switch. Oh man, I thought of you when I saw this. Well, I certainly am a big fan of the Xenoblade series, and this is a gorgeous remake of the original game that first came out on Wii and then later on 3DS. And they really didn't say anything about it, (laughs) but... Obviously, the game is getting a big graphical upgrade, and it was already a fantastic RPG to begin with, with an excellent sci-fi fantasy story and a great cast of characters. Everybody knows Shulk from Smash Brothers, but if you haven't played that game, there's also characters like Fiora, Dunban, Sharla, Ricky, Melia, and of course, it's Rhyme Time. <laughs> mm, if you say so. So yeah, if you didn't play that game when it hit Wii, now is your chance. And let me tell you, I am really feeling it, and so is Shulk. (laughs) You know, I didn't play this, and I've kind of always had a hankering to, so the fact that it's on Switch makes it that much closer to a reality for me. Yeah, I think if you haven't played it, you definitely should. Am I actually going to play it again? Do I want to sink another 100 hours (laughs) into this RPG that I've already played through? I mean, in the scheme of things, not that long ago. I don't know. If I had the time, I definitely would, but I would certainly highly recommend it for anyone who did not play it already. All right, can we play a quick game called Guess the Price Point? <laughs> I'm going to assume it's a full price game at 60 bucks, but who really knows? Yeah, I could see a 49 for this one, but we'll see. It's possible, it's possible. But at any rate, it is a massive adventure, so if it is full price, I wouldn't really blame them. All right. Anyway, speaking of RPGs getting new life on Switch, Nintendo also announced that their collaboration with Atlas, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag FE, is coming to Switch, now known as the Encore Edition. Yes, it's another Wii U port. Hooray. Oh boy. (laughs) Pretty soon every single Wii U game will be on Switch. And, you know, you aren't even going to need to have a Wii U anymore. They'll just Nintendo will come over and take all of them and bury them in the backyard, and uh, you won't need to worry about having that system anymore. Uh, but uh, that's, anyway, that's okay because the Wii U is kind of a cumbersome thing to have around. But anyway, this game is basically Persona meets Fire Emblem meets Pop Idols, all combined into an RPG, which absolutely sounds ridiculous, right. and it is pretty ridiculous. But in this version, they are touting new story elements and a new song. That's how important the Pop Idol aspect <laughs> is to the game. New song. That's a big. New feature i never really played that much of the original wii u version but i do own it and i did spend several hours with it and it is pretty decent but now you can see what you missed if you didn't own a wii u when the game comes out on january 17th yeah this game looks like the most atlas game ever yeah it is super 
JRPGE. <laughs> and I gotta admit, I love that there's a hashtag in the title slash hate that. But so, do you think you're gonna get this one? I don't think so, but it looks cool. Yeah, I'm not sure about myself either. The one thing that comes to mind when I see this, though, is it kind of makes me think that with this coming out, it is actually less like we're going to see Persona 5 come to Switch anytime soon. Uh And that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, some good deduction right there. All right, moving along to other Nintendo announcements. Super Kirby Clash. They didn't just announce it. It is actually out and now available on Switch as a free-to-play game. It is basically a Kirby boss fight game. It's almost like Kirby Monster Hunter 64 or something. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's a four-player co-op game where you choose from Sword Hero, Hammer Lord, Beam Mage, or Dr. Healmore, which (laughs) sounds very questionable. But you team up with uh, other players, either locally or online, or you even go solo if you want, and then you fight through more than 100 quests, beating up these various Kirby bosses. You can use Amiibo to earn extra gear, and you know I haven't had a chance to play this game yet, so I'm not sure if we're going to be microtransacted to death or what, but you do use real money to buy gem apples, which you then use to get new equipment, unlock new quests, and recharge your vigor meter, which presumably will let you keep playing the game. Pete, have you played this one yet yourself? I actually did give it a little quick try. Oh yeah? And what do you think so far? I played two levels. You know, it's hard to judge off of just two playthroughs, especially you know, considering the amount of microtransactions that come at some point. Right. But, uh, you know, I had fun and I actually think that if you had the right group of people and, you know, you were wanting something to play that everyone had, this is actually a pretty good solution. You know, the game looks really nice. It kind of has that Smash Brothers shine to it. Everything kind of looks, you know, highly polished Mm -hmm. and pretty. I would have to see how this, you know, goes over the long term. But uh, it's an interesting idea that uh, Nintendo is using. And, you know, as long as they're not going wild with microtransactions. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's like if it costs you $40 to get into this game and that's all you're going to spend, then that's not really that much different than a real full-fledged game. Right, right. If it's way more than that and, you know, they're expecting people to (laughs) invest hundreds of dollars, then that's, you know, obviously Yeah, if you go to the shop and you see, like, oh, here's a bundle of Apple Gems for only $119. (laughs) Like, okay, stay away, stay away. (laughs) Right, right. So uh, can't comment on that part of it, but uh, it does seem to have some promise. Okay, well, that was what I thought as well. I am very interested in it, and I will give it a try as soon as I can. Yeah. Will you be my Dr. Healmore? Oh, boy, will I ever. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, on this Nintendo Direct, there was also an update to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, starting with a new character. Terry Bogard from SNK is coming this November. <laughs> For anyone who had Terry Bogard on their Smash Brothers bingo card, I will give you $1,000. <laughs> I certainly didn't. Yeah, he was kind of a surprise. I mean, except for the fact that Nintendo of Europe kind of spoiled it the week before. Uh, but uh, yeah, he is certainly not a character I would have predicted a month ago. <laughs> I did like the announcement video for this guy. It was so cool to see them kind of go back and tweak some of the sprites from the uh, <laughs> original game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering that King of Fighters was SNK's crossover fighting game and it was sending out invitations and its intros <laughs> years before Smash Bros. was doing it, it really was an appropriate way to introduce the character. Now, I can't say I'm super excited about him or it was a character I really wanted, but there is no question he is a legendary character that has the history behind him to be a worthy Smash Brothers competitor. You know, Terry Bogard and the SNK crew, they have been around for years, so I can't say I'm sad to see him in. Yeah, and I think you said this before, but I mean, with him in there, honestly, 
all bets are off. Like, you, you could literally pull in any character through video game history and there's a chance he might be in there. I mean, Bubsy, for crying out loud, has a chance <laughs> of being in there now. I don't think I'd go that far, but you know, now more than ever, because maybe the bigger news than Terry Bogard is them saying, hey, there's going to be more DLC fighters beyond just the Fighters Pass Season 1. So, you know, hopefully that just means they're going to keep pumping out characters for years to come until they're basically finished with Switch. You know, hopefully <laughs> that just means no limits. So, you know, anyone who's up there as a very popular character that fans have been demanding, hopefully we will see it in there. And they're just going to be like, okay, we're cutting it off after just one more. I, you know, I think that would be great to get all those beloved characters in there. You know, finally give us Gino and Waluigi <laughs> and uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts and Shantae and all those folks, you know, put them all in there. Totally. And also, this was the most Sakurai thing ever to announce. Oh, by the way, we said there was going to be five. Now there's going to be who knows how many. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. But, you know, on top of that, Banjo and Kazooie are out now. They are now in the game as a playable character, as is their stage, Spiral Mountain, along with a whole bunch of new Mii costumes, including Team Rocket outfits, outfits for Proto Man and Zero from the Mega Man franchise, Goemon of all characters, and then Sans from Undertale. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, Sans was a huge surprise, and it's cool to see more indie representation. You know, it's like, you know, the amazing triad of Shantae, Shovel Knight, and now Sans. They all start with the letter S, strangely enough. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I was more shocked and surprised by Goemon. It's like, you know, Sans, that's a popular character from a popular game. It's not too crazy to think he'd be in there. But Goemon, there hasn't been a Goemon <laughs> game in, like, forever. And it's a Konami franchise, and, you know, they hate video games. So I never would have expected that one. Right. At least it's not Frogger. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I love going on, though. It's so cool to see him in the game. I just never would have called it. Totally. I mean, it, like I said, all bets are off now. Yeah. Now, have you played Banjo in the game yet? I haven't, but from the screenshots, I saw Mumbo Jumbo lingering in the background. <laughs> Yep, yep, he does pop up out of the ground on that stage. You know, I've played with Banjo just a little bit, and, you know, certainly not enough to really say a whole lot about the character, but he does fit in with the roster very, very well. All of his classic moves are really well represented. He can fire eggs, he can launch into the air with a spring, he has exploding eggs, he can beat people over the head with Kazooie, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then, of course, there is the mighty Ginginator Final Smash, which uh, is pretty darn awesome. The one thing... The, is kind of questionable is that the side smash is like super overpowered, mm. but then you can only use it five times per life. And I'm like, well, maybe you should have just balanced it so it didn't work that <laughs> way. It's kind of a weird choice, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can only use the Wonder Wing five times. You can't question Sakurai. The <laughs> proof is in the pudding. Oh, and speaking of Smash Brothers, of course, they also announced the release dates for the brand new Amiibo. Amiibo! I bet your beard is uh, boiling with delight. Oh, you better believe it. Yeah, we already knew these were coming, but Chrom, Incineroar, and the Simon Belmont Amiibo, the one I'm most looking forward to, are all coming out on November 15th. <laughs> At this point, I'm just excited to see these little three packs and like try to figure out what the correlation between them are. <laughs> I don't know. Also, that means we'll be getting a Terry Bogart Amiibo down the road, so, you know, it just keeps <laughs> getting crazier and crazier. File that under a character you never thought you'd have. For sure. Anyway, moving along, another big kind of surprising announcement from Nintendo was that there are now Super Nintendo games available on Nintendo Switch Online. I mean, I guess that had kind of been rumored for a little <laughs> bit, but they were like, yep, it's happening, and it's happening right away. So right off the bat, we have 20 games available for play on your Nintendo Switch, 
It has some of the really expected common stuff like Super Mario World, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, and Super Metroid, as well as other top-tier titles such as Super Mario Kart, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Yoshi's Island, F-Zero, Pilot Wings, Star Fox, and Kirby's Dream Course. There are a few really unexpected games such <laughs> as Stunt Race FX, Super Soccer, and Super Tennis. And then there's a nice list of third-party games, some of which are kind of expected, like Super Ghouls and Ghosts, and then some that really aren't, like Brawl Brothers <laughs> and Joe and Mac 2 Lost in the Tropics and Super Earth Defense Force. I would not have called those. <laughs> nope, never could have guessed that. Uh, very cool to see Breath of Fire and Demon's Crest in there, though. Ah, totally. As well as Super Poyo Poyo 2. Yeah, yeah. Some big surprises. I'm um, glad to see there's some hits there. Yeah. Overall, I got to give it a pretty solid review. Yeah, I really haven't had a chance to play too many of these yet. I started playing some Brawl Brothers and discovered, wow, this is really not a very good beat em up. <laughs> but with Mario World, Zelda, and Super Metroid in there, it's like, you know, the Holy Trinity is already available. As long as they get like Super Punch Out and Earthbound and Super Mario RPG, that's going to be like all the major first party SNES games already accounted for. You know, I kind of hear there's no longer going to be a monthly schedule for new NES or Super NES games on Nintendo Switch Online, but hopefully we will still be getting new content at a regular pace. Yeah, that announcement's kind of a weird one, you know, because it could mean that they don't release anything for the next six months. But right. honestly, given Nintendo's track record, I feel like you're going to see, you know, a pretty good collection of games still coming to the console. Yeah, I'd like to think so. And really, this couldn't have come at a better time with renewal coming up for Nintendo Switch Online. It's like, hey, here's another 20 games you get right off the bat. You know, that's a dollar per game if you renew. So yeah. it really does sound like a really good value. And of course, if you are a Nintendo Switch Online member, then you can order that Super NES Switch controller for $29.99. Apparently, they'll be on sale pretty darn soon since they are listed as starting to ship on September 18th. That's just next week as we record this. I was going to say, you better keep me posted when they uh, go live. So you're going to get one? Yeah, absolutely. At least one. Yep, me too. Haven't decided if I want two, though. <laughs> All right, excellent. Okay, let us move along to some of the third-party announcements. So first, off the bat, we had Overwatch Legendary Edition announced for Switch. This was kind of the worst-kept secret <laughs> in recent memory, aside from the SNK and Smash leak. But yeah, the super popular multiplayer shooter is finally coming to a Nintendo console. It is totally not my type of game, but I really do like the character designs, and if I were to play a game in this genre, this would totally be the one. It has way more style than the competition, and it is coming out pretty soon, on October 15th. Yeah, and I definitely had a chance to play this game when it was on another console, and I am very excited for Overwatch on Switch. I think it just makes it that much more accessible, you know, being able to play it everywhere. Yep, definitely. I think the bigger news here, to me, is that Blizzard and Nintendo have a healthy relationship, and Blizzard continues to uh, think about Nintendo as a partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we kind of already knew that with some of the games that already released, but yes, it is good to see that that continues to expand, and the partnership is alive and well. I just hope they don't give us another crappy amoeba like this goblin that's sitting next to me. <laughs> loot goblin. I feel like you're kind of hurt over that. I wouldn't say anything if the box wasn't sitting just 12 inches away from me. <laughs> anyway, regardless of that, great to see Overwatch coming to the Switch. Indeed. Another series that is making its way to the console is Deadly Premonition. We are getting not only Deadly Premonition Origins, which is the original game, but it's out now. And then Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise, that's the subtitle, <laughs> it is arriving next year. And I guess that game is exclusive to Switch as far as I can tell. 
These are crime, mystery, adventure, horror games with a fairly decent cult following from what I gather. And the first game came out all the way back in 2010, so almost a decade ago. But the sequel is all new. It is going to be set in both the present and 14 years in the past. And you know, while I'm not sure this is exactly my type of game either, I'm always glad for a more diverse game selection coming to Switch. Yeah, super weird announcement, just in the sense that I don't think I've ever heard of this franchise. But, you know, the more the merrier, and it looks interesting enough. Yeah, definitely interesting. Like I said, I haven't played it, but it is certainly a unique-looking series. Then we have Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition. And I feel like a broken record here, but that's another game that's not exactly (laughs) my style. It's a Diablo-type top-down hack-and-slash action RPG for up to four players. But Pete, it does kind of seem like your kind of game. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by this. For some reason, I've never heard of this. And when it got announced, I was looking on Twitter and people were just losing their minds about it. After watching the gameplay, it actually does look really interesting. You know, it's I think it's less of a Diablo clone and more of something like, uh, you know, like a Neverwinter Nights from what I can see. Okay. I mean, in my head, those are still kind of the same. Yeah. Fair enough. It's true, but there is sort of this weird difference. Like, Diablos are, like, you know, very level-based. And some of these other ones, you know, I think there's a bunch of D&D games coming out this fall. That's right. This is kind of like that, where it, there's a huge overworld and you're kind of leveling up and you can spec your characters out in different ways, which is all true of Diablo, but not quite the same. (laughs) Well, it certainly looks like there is a lot to this game, judging from what they showed in the video. Yeah, and uh, the fact that it supports some online play and, you know, of course, local co-op, I think this is a really interesting addition to the lineup. And I actually think I am going to pick this one up. Okay, cool. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest news is that it has cloud saves that can be shared with the Steam version of the game, and I don't think that's unprecedented, but it is a really cool feature. And hey, if you want to get the game, you don't have to wait. It is out now. Yeah, I know that the newest Civilization supports cloud saves. Uh, okay. That's the only other one that kind of comes to mind, but it's pretty awesome to have that option if you are already a fan and own the game on Steam. Yeah, definitely. Another new third-party title on the way is Rogue Company, which is a brand-new online third-person shooter. In this game, you play as special ops, military agents, or mercenaries, I guess, and you are fighting the evil Jackal organization. It sounds very 80s, like a Saturday morning cartoon (laughs) or a Stallone movie or something like that. It's got guns, it's got gadgets, it's got melee weapons, and it promises lots and lots of maps and outfits and, of course, explosions. (laughs) Yeah, this one looks interesting. You know, I think you keep saying this, but it's not necessarily my cup of tea. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's got some potential. Yeah, I think it definitely does. And again, it just shows the power and appeal of the Switch that we are getting games like this. The game is supposed to be coming out next year. Now, as for a game that is a little bit more my style, I was very intrigued by this game, Return of the Obra Dinn. Now, I guess this game has been out on PC for a while, but I've never really heard about it before. I'm not familiar with it, but it is this very stylized black and white first person adventure game where you have the ability to look back in time to find out what happened to this ship named the Obra Dinn. It disappeared four years ago. Now it's back and you're trying to find clues, make deductions and solve this mystery. Yeah, this one looks really intriguing, and it seems to have quite a buzz behind it. I, too, hadn't really been super familiar with it. I heard of it, but never, you know, really looked into it much. But uh, I'm really intrigued by this one, and definitely seems like one I would like to pick up. 
Yeah, and beyond just the concept, I really like this black and white look. It reminded me of old Macintosh games in like the best way possible. And also the fact that you play as an insurance agent <laughs> might be a video game first. <laughs> yeah, with the ability to like recreate crime scenes from, you know, when somebody died. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Anyway, it certainly sounds right up my alley. It's coming out this fall, and I am very intrigued and would like to check it out. I'm right there with you. Also on the way are a few returning classics from yesteryear. Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast arrives on September 24th. That was originally a GameCube, Xbox, and PC game that came out back in 2002, and now it's coming to Switch. And then Doom 64 is arriving on Switch on November 22nd. Do either of these appeal to you? <laughs> you know, the Star Wars video, for some reason, I really got some flashbacks of Shadows of the Empire. Hmm, nope, not that game. Uh, Different game. <laughs> well, no, I know that, but, you know, the way it looked, hmm. I don't know whether it was like the proportions were weird, but it definitely looked very vertically stretched. Anyway, <laughs> okay, hard okay. to explain, but go watch the video, and I'm telling you. And Doom 64, I mean, that was completely out of the blue. And, like, they have Pete Hines announcing it, which is kind of bizarre. And then it's, like, not ready till November 22nd, which is kind of funny because everything else that was announced like this was like, oh, it's ready today. So it kind of makes you think, well, there might not be a Nintendo Direct before the 22nd of November. Otherwise, they might have just waited on this. But it is interesting, the fact that you've never been able to play Doom 64 on a Nintendo console since then, it actually is pretty cool that it's coming to Switch. Of course it is. Everything coming to Switch. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. And that includes a couple of older Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, and Assassin's Creed Rogue are being packaged up as Assassin's Creed Rebel Collection. <laughs> now on Switch, I feel like we just got some sort of Assassin's Creed collection, like, you know, a week ago or something. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's coming to Switch. It's got new features like touch control and motion aiming. And, you know, I've never really got into this series, even though I have tried. I did get Assassin's Creed 4 on PlayStation 4 at launch, but uh, only played a few hours into it. Anyway, this will give me a new chance to finally get into the series. We shall see. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling bad for Ubisoft at this point. It's like, you should have had this game a year or two ago, and I would have played it, no problem. But now, it's like, it's competing with thousands of games. Yeah, there's so many games. So many games. But yeah, this one is coming out on December 6th, and you know, it's certainly good to see it on the system and to see Ubisoft's continued support. Yeah, and Black Flag is actually one of my favorite Assassin's Creeds, just with the pirate theme. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it did seem pretty cool from what I played. I'm sure I just got distracted by something else. I don't know. I don't know what my excuse is. <laughs> it's okay. Also on the way, strangely enough, Devil May Cry 2 was sort of announced out of nowhere, and it is coming next week on September 19th. It is regarded by far as the worst Devil May Cry game. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I'm glad to see Capcom's continued support, and I imagine this means we will be getting Devil May Cry 3 down the road, and who knows, maybe even Devil May Cry 4. It almost feels like when they just randomly announced all the uh, Resident Evils would be coming to GameCube. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> but that was far from the strangest announcement. <laughs> the one that I'm going to end this third-party discussion on is Farming Simulator 20. <laughs> I only mention it because I cannot believe that that game made it into a Nintendo Direct. Uh, it's coming out December 3rd, but like, is that a major series? Is that something people are like waiting for? Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to play this game. I'm just shocked that that made an appearance on the direct shocked i tell you i think i'm more shocked that like i looked at it and it actually looked kind of good 
Okay, well, uh, when it comes out, uh, you pick it up and uh, tell me how it is. <laughs> I will not be picking it up, but it is, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, I guess. Sure, why not? Okay. All right. Moving along to some updates on tiles that we already knew about. Uh, first up, we have Tetris 99, which is getting its 2.0 update and physical release. And in fact, it came out right after the Direct. It's already out. It hit on September 6th, so you can get the game on physical game card. It includes all the DLC. It includes a Nintendo Switch Online subscription, and you can grab that for 30 bucks if you so desire. The update also has this new Invictus difficulty mode. It has daily missions. It has custom themes based on classic games like Zelda and Super Mario Brothers. Unfortunately, even though I was once very good at Tetris, evidently I suck now way too much to play this. I will not be getting the physical copy. Uh, Pete, what about you? Are you all into this? I won't be getting the physical copy, but, uh, you know, I like that they keep supporting this game and uh, the fact that there's new uh, DLC that people can play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this new stuff is free, so, you know, there's no reason to not get it and not play it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? Keep supporting it. Yep, absolutely. Cool. And then they had an update for Damon X Machina, which it just came out as we are recording this, but... There's also this new prologue demo that is out in the eShop. And from what I have heard, the early buzz on the final product is that it is quite a bit better than that first demo that came out like a year ago. The demo version even does include a four-player wireless mode. And even though I haven't had a chance to play this one yet, I definitely intend to in the near future. I kind of lost interest after that first demo, but I am definitely willing to give it another shot. Yeah, I think that must have been the consensus across the board because, you know, otherwise why would they have done this? Right, right. It's also cool that your gameplay progresses into the game if you buy it. So Right, right. That's probably the most important thing. I always appreciate that, and I will probably play the demo now that that exists and sounds like it's better. Yep, absolutely. They also provided an update on The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which comes out very soon on September 20th. There really wasn't much new here, but they did reveal that you can share your custom-made chamber dungeons, which is one of the new features in the game, onto an amiibo and share them with your friends. So basically, you know, here's your Zelda maker, kids. <laughs> now, only if you had some amiibos to upload games to. I guess so. I mean, it is kind of too bad. You can't just share these dungeons online with your friends, but whatever. I absolutely can't wait. Yeah, no kidding. After that, we've got Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Take a deep breath now. God, that's a long title. <laughs> yeah, that one is also coming out very soon on September 27th. And again, there wasn't a whole lot new they announced for that. They reiterated that you can visit classic Dragon Quest worlds, you can play in 2D or 3D, and you can get free DLC at launch. This one, kind of like Damon X Machina, also has a massive demo out in the eShop, and your save does carry over. Pete, have you had a chance to play that yet? I haven't yet, but uh, I've downloaded it and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I have already played more than 12 hours on the demo, <laughs> which already makes it one of my top most played games in the Dragon Quest series. So <laughs> I am absolutely 100% getting the final game. Nice. Are you enjoying it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I hope. So with 12 hours in, you uh, better be enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. But yeah, it's a great idea. You know, get people invested with all that time, and then, you know, they got to pick up the final version, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Smart plan. Next up, Pete, we have one that I know you are quite looking forward to, that being The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition. Yeah, not much new announced here. I think just, you know, adding it to kind of the fall lineup. Yeah, there really wasn't anything new. It's still looking good. 
as the name implies, it comes with all the expansions in DLC, and it comes out on October 15th. Then, for something on the complete opposite side of the coin, the next day on October 16th, we are getting Little Town Hero. This is the new RPG from Game Freak that was announced a while ago, and I kind of forgot it even existed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is going to be here just next month. And you know, as I told us before, it is pretty much all set in a single town. You can never leave this town, but you still get to somehow go on adventures and fight monsters. And, you know, what they showed in the video seemed very strange, but very interesting. The way you could position yourself around the village and get different ideas and help from other villagers. And, you know, sort of you let them aid you in combat that way. It definitely looks different and unique. It was also very pretty. And also the fact that they said that the music is mostly composed by Toby Fox of Undertale fame. That is another great reason to be excited about this game. Yeah, this game really looks intriguing. I mean, Game Freak seems to make good games outside of Pokemon when they do dabble out. Mm -hmm, totally. So very interested in this one. And uh, yeah, totally seems worth a look for sure. Yep, I am very, very curious as well. Then after that, we have Luigi's Mansion 3 arriving on Halloween, October 31st. And what they revealed for this one is that each floor basically has a different theme. So that's why, even though it's supposed to be a hotel, the E3 demo was all set in a medieval castle. <laughs> and other levels we saw include a dance hall, a pirate-themed restaurant, <laughs> an Egyptian pyramid, and a garden. I definitely like the variety, and it certainly builds upon the concept of the different themed mansions in the second game, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Yeah, I mean, this game keeps looking better and better, and it just seems like Nintendo's uh, best foot forward for the holidays. Yeah, I'm certainly very much looking forward to this myself. Then, on top of the single-player mode, they revealed this new Scream Park mode for up to eight players, where teams of up to four compete to either defeat more ghosts, collect more coins, or break the most targets. I personally can't ever imagine playing an eight-player version of this game, but it certainly sounds cool and looks very, very fun. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, there are a lot of Nintendo first-party games that have that ability, so uh, the more the merrier. Yep, definitely. After that, on November 5th, we are getting Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. We already knew it had more than 20 events. The big takeaway for me was the swimming event where you could see topless Wario and topless Eggman swimming. <laughs> uh, file that under things you never wanted to see. Yeah, it's definitely under that category. But uh, yeah, yeah, now it's etched into my mind. <laughs> yeah, we already knew it was going to have that cool 8 and 16-bit style 2D game mode. There's also the story mode that has the characters getting sucked into an Olympic video game based on the 1964 Olympics for some reason. So it's an Olympic game within an Olympic game. We're having Olympic gameception here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm sold on owning this game yet, but I would certainly like to give it a spin and try it out. Now, you know the 1964 Summer Olympics were also in Japan, in Tokyo. No, I did not realize that, but I suppose that does make it make a little bit more sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah, again, this game with the 8-bit, 16-bit style, I've got to say it's the highest Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games <laughs> game that I've ever seen come out. I usually have zero interest in these, but with this art style, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I have to say that is certainly the most appealing mode for me as well. After that, we have Pokemon Sword and Shield coming on November 15th, and I feel like they're kind of maybe starting to scrape the bob in the barrel here <laughs> with 
new news, even though we've still got two months before the game comes out. So it's like, okay, yeah, you can customize your outfits. Yeah, of course, we expected that. Okay, there's a Pokemon camp. You can <laughs> have a camp anytime and play with some Pokemon. All right. Okay, here's two new Pokemon. One of them is a teapot. So <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous and very, very British. So I approve of that. Then there's a bird Pokemon that spits fish at opponents. Cremorant. <laughs> yeah. And a Poltegust is the other one. But Chris, you're forgetting the curry decks. I was saving the best for last. Yes. <laughs> the most famous of British delicacies, curry. <laughs> now, you might think that that sounds like a joke, but uh, curry is pretty popular in England. Well, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me because I love curry, so I am totally down with this. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, you chop up your Pokemon and serve them as curry or something? <laughs> no. I am totally joking. That's that's totally not true. But apparently, there are 100 types of curry you can make. You can register them in, yes, as you said, the curry decks. I don't understand why it's there. I don't get the point. But whatever. As a big curry fan, this might be the... Most exciting inclusion to this game, aside from the Corgi Pokemon. I mean, it almost reminds me of Forrest Gump, like shrimp on the Barbie, shrimp a la mode. It's like <laughs> bacon curry, chicken curry, pork curry. Sausage curry. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, overall, it was a pretty dull update, but nonetheless, I'm already sold on Pokemon Sword and Shield, and I cannot wait to chop up a Pikachu and use them as curry ingredients. <laughs> and it's coming soon. Well, coming in two months, November 15th. Mm-hmm. After that, we moved into titles for next year, and we got a little bit of an update on Animal Crossing New Horizons. In reality, I don't think they really told us much new about the game, <laughs> mostly just reiterating the details from before, you know, telling us that you're visiting a deserted island, you become an indentured servant to Tom Nook, uh, you then get to design the island as you see fit, there's lots of crafting, you gather materials, there are different seasons and weather effects, you can now place furniture outside, you can have four players living on the island together, and you can team up online with another group for up to eight-player online multiplayer. Unfortunately, they did show the inventory, and it does not look like there are permanent slots for your tools, which is like the one thing <laughs> I was really, really hoping for. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, at least we do have a release date for the game. It is coming out on March 20th, 2020. 2020. Don't forget that you get to have your uh, Nook phone and your Nook miles. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. And I'm sure he charges you for him. And you can pull vault over rivers now, apparently. Yes, that is true, too. Well, it definitely looks fun, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. But we do have to wait a little longer on that one. Well, I mean, it was kind of the time frame I expected. Certainly looking forward to that one. Then the last update title I wanted to mention is Trials of Mana, which is the HD remake of Seiken Densetsu 3. You know, this game was never released in the West until Collection of Mana came out a couple of months ago. And now the remake is coming out, so we're getting this long-lost game twice within the span of a year. But uh, yeah, this remake is looking pretty darn good. The plot differs based on the characters you choose, and it adds jumping and combo attacks that the original game didn't have. Yeah, it's looking pretty darn sharp, and it's coming out on April 24th of next year. Yeah, definitely looking good. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it yet, but after I play more of the classic version, I will try to make up my mind. Uh, will you make up my mind? <laughs> I will do what I can. <laughs> anyway, that covers a whole lot of games. I mean, there are still a few things that we didn't get into, but man, that was already just a lot jam-packed into this Nintendo Direct. Pete, what were your overall impressions of this presentation? Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, you really just expected it to be about, you know, games coming out this fall, which it is, but uh, 
the fact that it's just like riddled with more and more announcements, it's like, are you kidding? I mean, I already struggle to play most of the games I want to play on my Switch. <laughs> it's now becoming a real problem where I'm like, uh, I just, I want that game, but I just, I don't think I'll ever play it. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely an embarrassment of riches. But yeah, as for me, even though a lot of these games, you know, weren't exactly my speed and the biggest reveals were ports, it just really did show how jam-packed and robust the Switch lineup is. As I said earlier, first party, third party, AAA, indies, brand new games, classics. The Switch basically has everything, and this proves it. Yeah, and I can't wait to pick up those SNES controllers. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week's big topic. And Pete, I still don't know how you ended up getting on the show, but I think it is more or less time for us to bring it to a close. However, before we do so, we do have time for one more thing, and that is a dramatic reading. Yes. This time it comes from the Nintendo Switch eShop game, The Caged Garden, Cock Robin. Multi-ending system in which selection changes ending. After seeing eight endings, what is waiting? A girl who was apprenticed to an old castle rumored as a nest of monsters. She witnessed something heteromorphic which roamed around there. Although people in the castle call it Commodore, nobody tries to talk details. Robin, alone, starts investigating the hidden truth, but it's all right, even if it's right. It's all right, even if it's wrong. If I can choose only one path by which I won't regret, it's for me. Wow, that's deep. That is the whole thing. And I have absolutely no idea what any of it means. <laughs> the end of that kind of sounds like song lyrics. <laughs> it kind of does. It kind of does. And for all I know, that's what the game could be, because it tells me absolutely nothing about the game. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots, and I still can't tell what it is. <laughs> for some reason, that does not surprise me a whole lot. <laughs> well, it's got an excellent title. <laughs> that is true there's uh, nothing else quite like it on the system when it comes to the title I will give it that much <laughs> oh boy anyway that does it for this week as always you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter you can follow me the Hoff on Twitter at Chris the Hoff and you can find Pete at Burly Red Yeti you can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad, Arribadirchi, and Mega Man 11's Impact Man, Behold, Impact Man! We will see you next time. <laughs>